Eyes on Whiteness is a podcast that illuminates the insidious and ignorant ways of whiteness, regardless of intent. Our guests are invited to practice the work of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, as these constructs are pervasive and ever-present for all of us. I'm Deidre Barber Vasquez, Black and Puerto Rican, lesbian, New York Californian, living in the Southwest, mother to dog child Onyx, cis woman. I am my own, I am my mother's, I am Earth's, I am you. And I'm Maureen Benson, a white, straight, cisgender woman living in Oakland, California, doing my best to be a principled accomplice for racial justice in these apocalyptic times. I also hella love my dogs, Wagyu, and Philly. In season two, we're excited to share with you a series of incredible conversations with extraordinary guests that we invite to engage the question, what does it look like to be an intersectional integrity? We want to thank our brilliant and kind producer, Aaron Rand Freeman. And don't forget, if you'd like to support us, we do appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon, Eyes on Whiteness, and you can rate and leave a review anywhere you're listening to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everybody. We are here for season two. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> wow, it's been a year. It has. <laughs> it has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> been a year. Well, I'm really excited to welcome everybody back into, uh, yeah, season two. We're digging into intersectional integrity. Buckle up. <laughs> what a ride it's been, huh? Like, look, yeah. So we're offering folks a uh, a very different season two, wouldn't you say? Different but yeah, the same? I would say more about different but the same. Uh, well, I mean, I think the season one was around just having conversations with folks doing some really awesome things in the world. Um, and we're doing that again with a very specific lens of asking folks to have a conversation with us about this idea of intersectional integrity. It's quite a season. So I hope folks are excited, as, as excited as we are. I am really excited because the lineup of guests is just extraordinary. We have so many different brilliant minds uh, and different folks that walk in the world and different identities. Uh, so already beginning to just bask in the glory of <laughs> these amazing conversations. So yeah, very excited. Yeah. Yeah, and excited as well. Inspired and humbled and in gratitude that they're going to give us their time. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. What are you excited about for this season of conversations? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think just hearing how people are moving through having a chance to have conversation with people, how they're moving through these times, you know, Mm. particularly with people who like, you know, forever, the world is forever changed from 2020 on, right. That that's a, that's a marking point, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a significant Mm -hmm. marking point. Um, 
which is really beautiful, I think, to be alive during this time. And also the way that I think of it is like, you know, we're in the age of Aquarius and Hmm. what does that mean? And so I think having 2020 happen when it was already foretold that we would be experiencing some real transformative shifts and changes in how people move and think. And I think having conversations with folks within that context and then having conversations with folks who are explicitly wanting to um, explore uh, what does it mean to live the theory I might believe in, right? What does it Mm. mean to engage in the world explicitly, you know, not necessarily like an explicitly doesn't mean imperfection, right? But just explicitly with the intent to um, be more conscious almost. Like Mm. I think although people may not be using the term that you and I use of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, you know, I think that that can um, be executed in different ways. Mm. Um, And so having conversations with people who are doing that, I think from different lenses and perspectives and identities Mm -hmm. will be really uh, illuminating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From the eye, I just, I tend to learn more when I can have conversations with, with folks around specifically this stuff. Yeah. Um, And then also just hoping that it offers people who are, people who are listening or watching who also want to transmute white supremacy in their daily mm-hmm. in the daily, what it might look like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes it's really easy to follow. And sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes you see it explicitly and sometimes it's not, you know, that's life. Sometimes it's, you know, really subtle. Uh, and sometimes it's not, that's the thing I would say. Like, I think we're living in a times where I think people might, I, I think things are more gross than they are subtle. Mm. And the more you're, the more I'm transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, the more I notice that. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. more I notice that those who are not transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy um, don't even see the gross as the gross. It's really interesting. So mm. what um, do you mean by gross? Like extreme. Like, so it's not subtle. It's just in your face. So it's like, you know, I think there's a large population of folks who are like, have a really hard time translating the way that, um, the connection between Trump supporters, anti-vaccination and white supremacy. Like Mm -hmm. it's really gross. (laughs) It's really in your face, but there's a lot of people who genuinely cannot see the connections yeah. They cannot see yeah. that connection. It's wild, mm-hmm. but that's the reality. That's the, it's a diverse world we live in. Right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why I think that, that like, it's an extreme example, but, um, that's our reality. So I think yeah. having conversations with people around the different ways that folks are attempting to whatever word they're using, dismantle, mm-hmm. confront, mm-hmm. disengage, from white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, all the isms, all the phobias, um, I think can help people have a better understanding 
particularly when it's could be gross for one person and subtle for another or mm-hmm. subtle for another one person gross for another like seeing right. that perspective i think can be helpful for yeah. each of us in our own experiences to mm-hmm. walk the path that we might want to walk mm-hmm. so that excites me i think the possibility of the <clears throat> podcast offerings doing that for folks is uh, exciting to me mm. i like it i love that you use the word gross uh, and appreciated that you <laughs> defined it because I went to a judgment place. I was like, it is gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, that's the beauty of language, right? Like that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. What are you excited about? I'm really excited to learn. Um, I think I, I know that this season we're really being intentional about bringing in folks who have a variety of different identities and lived experiences and the common um, one of the common threads among our guests this season is a stated commitment that is very much in alignment with transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy. Like you said, they might call it something different. So I'm really excited to learn because (laughs) to use your point, what might be gross for someone, uh, an indigenous person, um, an activist who uh, navigates disability justice, things that might be gross or glaring for them would, would might be really subtle for me. So I'm really excited to learn to get to be in these intentional conversations um, with folks who live different identities than I do. I feel really grateful that folks this season are down to come on and, and share their perspective. And also I, I am really excited to be in conversations with folks where we normalize intersectional integrity, where we're normalizing that as a way of being. Um, I'm just ridiculously excited about the conversations we're going to have with our guests this season uh, to really dig into the multiple ways that folks explore this concept, this intention of intersectional integrity. There are just, we were really, really, really uh, blessed with a lineup of incredible people that have said they would come and have these conversations with us from so many different perspectives and lived experiences and ways that they're being in the world. So I'm just juiced for this season. How about you? Ditto. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I find um, learning through others the best way for me to evolve and grow. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I really love, um, the idea of hearing how people are, um, you know, as we've discussed in our own um, exploration of what words mean and redefining words, like how other people are defining intersectional integrity, um, even when they either are defined using a different term or like there's an aha moment when we invite them and they're like, oh yes, that's, I've been thinking about that, but hadn't put it to words, you know, and, um, just exploring that. And again, like, I think that's part of the, I'm excited because we spend so much time on what's not working. I'm, Mm. I really need to be looking at what is working. Right. You know, like I've been talking about this author a lot lately, but, but, um, because every time I read one of her, I, I save a, I do like a chapter maybe every few months and they're always so good. Sherry Mitchell's book, Sacred Instructions. I just read uh, her book about teachers and teaching and no, 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 I think it was about, about how uh, white supremacy took on um, the idea of law of attraction. 
Mm. and uh and the need for that like that's where our society was but moving into this idea of law of abundance um and so this idea of 80 10 10 right spending 80 10 uh, percent of your time on what's not working 10 percent of your time of seeing those who are impacted by what's not working and 80 percent of our time thinking about focusing on um, what we want to see working, right? Mm. What we're envisioning, what are we creating? Um, because the, that, because thoughts do have power, right? So if we're spending all of our time just in how fucked up the -hmm. world is, um, where's the time to create something different? Where's the time to imagine, to, to see the people who are in, in real time doing something different or trying to create less harm in the world? So, I'm looking forward to being in conversation with people who are doing just that, right? And imagining, um, you know, what it is and, and conversations with folks that I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I feel like I just got run over or like, wow, that was awesome. Like I feel totally resonated. Right. Or like yeah. whatever it is, whatever it is, like that's, that's the world of this that, that I want to create. Let's have the conversation, whether right. we're in agreement or not, or, um, on the same train tracks or not <laughs> like whatever so that's what i'm i'm super looking forward to just learning about others learning from others and evolving mm-hmm. deidre what's intersectional integrity uh inter- intentional engagement and relationship development with self the i others the they them or we and earth us animals, planets, waterways, land masses, right? So the intentional engagement and relationship development with self, others, and earth that is dynamic, fluid, and mindful of varying identities. Intersectional integrity is the art and act of intentionally being introspective, self-aware, vulnerable, and transparent in communication choices. This mindfulness explicitly includes amending the soil components of honoring commitments to the process, especially when it's hard, being vigilant in centering non-normalized perspectives, acknowledging alternate realities, perspectives exist while interrogating power and privilege, moving from a growth mindset to assist in establishing and building personal accountability when we engage others, uh, ourselves and the earth or world as a whole. So I think my biggest takeaway with intersectional integrity is this idea that I'm engaging the world from a place, a very heartful, mindful place that I've done some individual work first, right? Some individual work, meaning some introspection, some self-awareness, an ability to be at least uh, vulnerable and transparent with myself and moving toward being vulnerable and transparent with others um, as I'm engaging in the world, as I'm uh, communicating with another person or a group or the larger community about my perspective or um, my engagement, my experiences, my triggers, my joys, like all those things that I'm being... um, aware of how my eye is engaging, influencing the other eyes that I might be around. And to me, that's what I think intersectional integrity is, is that there's a mindfulness around that, that 
Uh, I'm not self-absorbed. I'm not stuck in uh, white supremacy um, construct of rugged individualism and competition that I'm really engaging in a mindful way that is about honoring not only my own experiences, but trying to hold space and honor the experiences of other people, whether they are similar or not. Mm. That's what I love I that as an, it's almost like an intention, right? To honor your experiences and others, regardless of similarity with a deep, profound mindfulness. That's a beautiful intention for how yeah. to live in the world. And I've recently started moving to adding, like being very intentional about heartful. Cause I think mindfulness, mm. even that, like I, you know, I, I'm reaching a point where intersectional integrity means I'm like dissecting everything and the choices that we make. And I think even this mm-hmm. movement of mindfulness that, uh, which I think is a beautiful thing that's been, you know, happening more and more into the mainstream for the past decade or so is still situated in a very Western idea of, of um, the masculine intellect over the feminine intuition. And so mm. for me, it's yes, I want to be mindful. I also want to be very heartful, meaning I want to mm. be equally as um, present in my mind about what's occurring as I am in my heart about what I'm feeling. Mm. Trying to find a balance there, you know? That's beautiful. That's a powerful transmutation of white supremacy and patriarchy. In and of itself, I'd never thought about mindfulness centering the the head and how it can very quickly not invite us to be in the heart. That's amazing. What helped you to that awareness of the distinction mindfulness and heartfulness and the balance of the think, quest for balance? Know, <clears throat> yeah, totally. It, you know, when you and I started really thinking about, you know, what, what, what did we, what kind of, like, what project did we want, right? What kind of collaboration mm-hmm. did we want? And we wanted it based in authentic, uh, us both, both being, bringing our authentic selves and what that looks like, right? As individual, like, I think there were a lot of things that we were doing that we, we didn't know we were doing until we sat down and we were like, let's start naming it, right? And that's how this idea yeah. of transmuting white supremacy came about, at least in my experience. And like, we started really being intentional and naming it. And I think, you know, that's now, I keep saying three years, but I think now it's getting like four or five years ago that we started (laughs) this, right? What is time? But I mean, no, and I don't say that as like, it's a, you know, a problem in any way, but I say that, that it is that, you know, we talk about this being ever evolving process, right? And that, and it has been a journey and it continues to be a journey. And so I think when we first started, there were ways in which we were moving with each other that I really um, liked and didn't see replicated in other places or other relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, that's what I wanted to really figure out. What is that about? Not only to potentially make a job out of it so that I could like make a living out of something I love, but also to have a better understanding. And so out of that meant this, these ideas that were coming to us primarily from what I knew at the time, right? We don't know what we don't know. And I am very Western educated. I am very much uh, of the world of things are, you know, the headier they are, the more intellectual they are, the more value they have. And so I think that colored the beginning process of this. And that, and I, and I still think 
the process is necessary. The, the, the skills are necessary of introspection, self-awareness, vulnerability, transparency, intersectional inquiry, and invoking collectivism. Those are all necessary processes to understand and move through from the eye to be in a more, in a less harmful relationship with others. And what I, as I've done that work, there was a, there were certain things that it just felt like there, it was uneven almost like it would, like it just didn't seem, there was something that was not balancing out. And for me, that became, that became where are the places where I created this from a very Western dichotomy of like very academic and, and these ideas are situated in a process, even though I don't, I'm not linear, but it kind of became, you know, at first it was sort of linear. Um, and what I found for me, as I was transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy for me, I realized that I was not really even looking at any other pieces of me that are not the intellect, that are not the mind, that are not what we would, that we have attributed to masculine qualities. And so for me, the process has been to come back around to what's, what's the other side of that, right? In our society. And I think that's, that, that's, you know, when you and I first started doing this work, it was a lot of, it was just white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. And that's kind of why for me, I started saying, oh, we got to put patriarchy in here. When I started doing like, why do I feel lopsided and I'm doing all this great work? I realized it's because I'm not even thinking about uh, looking at the intuitive side, the feeling side of this, that my feelings are uh, of value just as much as my intellect and my ability to string words together. And so that's when I started thinking this in terms of, oh, there's a, there's a, um, there's another side to this. And so really digging into like falling in, like really allowing myself to fall deeply into what is this thing patriarchy and really getting an understanding of you know, how do black women speak about this that, you know, that have done talks or wrote, written books or articles or whatever. Right. And, and white women and Asian women and native American women, and just seeing what are the different ways that this is being spoken of to help me sort of see how do I want to incorporate, um, transmuting patriarchy as well. And I think part of that is moving into an understanding that, um, remembering the feeling side of this, which I think is even harder because it's, at least for me, I'll speak from the eye. It has been even harder because even though white America doesn't want to, uh, from my experience, doesn't really want to engage anti-racism, like truly, really, they're willing to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about patriarchy. Right? If you talk about patriarchy, you're like this crazy man hating woman who likely is a lesbian, you know, this bullshit, like it's really intense. Um, so that pulled me in even more. Right. So starting to do that work in a real deep, deeper level from the eye and that then me realizing, oh, the other part that was missing was the balance of my spirit to my intellect. Yeah. And for me, spirit comes in through the body. Mm -hmm. And so now that's what, you know, so now five years later, I mean, and I'm truncated. It was a long story on here, but sure. truncated quite a bit of it. Um, now I'm 
and this is like recently like a, a week ago so like year one to mm. year five <laughs> I'm like oh I don't want to just say mindful I want to be very yeah. intentional and be and say it is both heartful and mindful work because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. both much of the things that I'm learning about how to transmute white supremacy and patriarchy it's not only the thoughts that come in my head that help me um, know that here's a moment that maybe could be transmuted. It's also things that ha- happen in my body. And for me, often it's the throat when I know I'm not speaking my voice and it gets stuck in my throat mm. or uh, I feel it in my stomach, which would be like my solar plexus when I'm not accessing my agency or inner power. So those are all signs that kind of tell me, oh, these are moments to transmute. Yeah. So wow. long way to answer your question, Maureen. <laughs> I mean, we got nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Uh, That's so exciting to me to create that intentionality as an act of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy to be mindful and heartful. And I also hear you surfacing a, a benefit of that mindfulness in that, you know, we talk a lot about folks tapping into the body and being aware of somatic cues. And so like, it feels really, um, I was going to say polished, but that's not really what I want to say. It feels developed that you're honoring the value of being heartful is then listening to your body, which is giving you cues. So to say my throat closes up when I'm not speaking my voice, right? To like That's a very clear way to listen to your body uh, that to me feels really different than, you know, a time where when my throat was closing up, it would... Um, not mean that it wouldn't be a message of um you know action other than fight flight freeze Mm. fawn right it would mean it would mean something that i should like step back as opposed to your body giving you some really powerful advice right like Mm -hmm. what does it look like to value um which i think you're touching on like to redefine the value of leadership or you know like redefining leadership entirely right like leadership and like you know, because our course is called Cultivating Intersectional Leadership. So I just want to be really explicit, like, everyone is a leader, like we are leaders in our own being, Uh, we get to lead and have choice and agency over how we want to live our life. That's, that's what I mean by that leadership, to move it from it's all in the head to the heart. And that that benefit of just being in community with your body (laughs) is so that's really inspirational. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, being in, you know that finding that balance, I think they're mm-hmm. between honoring both my mind slash intellect and my heart mm-hmm. slash feelings, like being in mm-hmm. balance and honoring that they're both giving me messages on how to access my most authentic self. I think is huge, you know, like it's. It's not the end all be all because then there's, you know, we have to learn what is the best way to be my authentic self, right? (laughs) That is, you know, now it's like also part of that is like, which I think that's the transmutation is really important because I want to arrive as my authentic self that is in process of healing, that is, is in, that is able to access the intention of doing less harm in the world. Because I think, you know, Sometimes our authentic selves are harmful and I don't, and I don't, I'm not judging that. 
like I get it. Like I fucking get it. You know, <laughs> I get it. Like, you know, this idea we were talking about earlier, this idea of, 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 Like I think about intersectional integrity in my relationship to my ancestors. And for me right now, it's about addressing the harm caused by the harm caused. So being able to have it, um, being able to have an authentic healing process with the choices and decisions, my family made, my grandparents made in particular on both sides of my family in their engagement of me as a human. Being able to have that, and they're all, uh, all but one has passed, but I still like still being able to engage them and speak to the harm I experienced but being able to do it with forgiveness and the only way that I can f do that is with a remembering of that the reason they engaged with me the way they engaged with me the harm is because they were harmed and that's intersectional integrity to me right like having holding all of that holding all of that while also determining whether or not I just want to yell at them <laughs> or, yeah. sure. um, sure, sure. and just be angry or yell at them, be angry and forgive. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in understanding why it happened, which is in the head and honoring the feelings and generating empathy and compassion. Right. Like there's a lot of feelings like anger and sadness and upset are also, you know, I don't want to say valid, uh, are also very real and authentic feelings. And I would imagine that what comes with that is the ability to access and tap into compassion and empathy and then mm -hmm. forgiveness, as opposed to being in mm -hmm. the head feels like I can rationalize it. Like I can mm -hmm. intellectually understand why people who have been abused are abusers. That doesn't live anywhere below my jaw. <laughs> That's yeah, like right. all up here in my head. So to tap into where that lives in the body. Yeah. Means well, you know, that's the, feelings, it, the, the multitude. Totally. And well, and that's where I think, you know, I've been with clients recently, I've been really trying to, to slow down in this work of transmuting white supremacy and just get people to think about the first four skills of introspection, mm -hmm. self-awareness, transparency, and vulnerability. And I think, Part of that is because in order to even get to that, at least for me, my process has been in order to even dip my toes in at this point, I don't know when this will air, but at this point, in order to even dip my toes in the idea of forgiving my family for the harm, there's a le there's work there's introspection self awareness vulnerability and transparency work that I have to do with myself to even step into the forgiveness because I'm so angry right or because um, there's a rage I'm either angry at them or there's a rage I have for society and so that's what I that's for me that's the trans like that's really it's been really key in transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy because it allows me to 
do some ancestral healing that would not be available to me otherwise if I stayed just in the the rage for the rage itself, right? Instead of the rage being uh, an impetus to like acknowledge what's happened and the ways in which it has um, it has influenced how I then the relationship I have with myself first and foremost, but that takes, you know, that's, it's taken a lot of introspection and self-awareness. <laughs> like Just looking at like, Oh, I'm, I can point the finger outwards outward and like talk about how someone is not being inter is not in integrity is definitely not in intersectional integrity in their relationship to me. Uh, and, and without introspection and self-awareness, be unable to really see or feel the agency I have with an influence in my reaction or response to their, to what I am experiencing as a lack of intersectional integrity. And that, which I think is, it's so, for me, my experience of white supremacy, it's so opposite, right? It's just constantly pointing the finger outward and everyone else is to blame. Or if it's, if, if I do take any of the blame, it's self-shaming. I'm just shaming. And, and of course it's because I'm not worthy and I haven't proven myself. And so taking all that out requires a level of introspection and self-awareness and vulnerability and transparency with myself about what I remember, what the history is to even get to that place of forgiveness for yeah them and for myself. Right. Um, right. You know, it's so, it's so, it's such a beautiful journey. Like it's tough, it, it's tough, but you know, every time I, mm -hmm. it's tough, but it feels, it feels better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it mm -hmm. feels better mm -hmm. than when I'm outwardly blaming, even though yeah. thought distortions and my mind might tell me otherwise. Hmm. I'm curious for you, Maureen, like what does intersectional integrity mean? Like we know the definition, but what does it mean for yeah. Maureen? I am super eager to answer that question. And I swear to God, I'm going to answer that question, but I have to say one thing I'm yes. really moved by. <laughs> yeah. 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 I really love, um, I had never thought about until this moment the idea of starting in the I and moving to the we as anything other than the living existing we's the other beings that I lay eyes on. And so I had been really clear like, Oh, okay. Starting with in my own work so that I can show up and do less harm and be more mindful. And now brilliantly uh, explained heartful in my interactions with other beings that, um, I can see and like physically see in front of me. What I love about what you just said is that, you know, I, I often talk about the pendulum and I feel like there's the pendulum that helps us get to balance, but there's also what you're illuminating is this pendulum of going back into ancestor work, like looking at the eye, but that the we's include the ancestors. And then mm -hmm. when that pendulum to swing back, then there's we's that include, um, living beings as we define living. So let me not say ancestors aren't living, right? But like as, as normalized embodied, as might say. That's what I say. Embodied. embodied. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's so powerful because that to me really gets at what interrupting a cycle of harm must include. 
because how can you, like you said, like hurt people hurt people, right? Like, so there's a way in which you can tap into compassion and forgiveness by moving out of the headspace of understanding and into the heart space of understanding harm that has happened. Um, but how can we even begin to interrupt the ways in which we have been taught harm without both moving back and having that forgiveness and compassion and also then being intentional, mindful, heartful with the living beings that are embodied uh, in a physical realm in front of us. So mm -hmm. I'm just really appreciative of yet another pendulum, which almost feels then like a divination, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that like a pendulum <laughs> just goes in one direction back and forth, but like it actually can move around in lots of different circles and in different mm -hmm. directions. And so I just really appreciate the example you're offering to honor the complexity and nuance and um, tap into, for me anyway, it's like, I'm intellectually bought into ancestor work. I haven't, I don't feel like I have deeply dug into my own personal ancestor work. Mm -hmm. And so when, uh, sometimes when for me things get activated that I don't have experience around, it can quickly go into like disbelief. And so I'm just mm -hmm. aware of like my own work around like aligning my head and my heart, like in my head, I really get it and I value it. And in my heart, I don't have the heartful experience of the power of that and you just sharing vulnerably helped me to move into my body around that so I'm just really like I can feel it in my heart I can feel mm. it in my chest like filling up like oh that makes so much sense we're always so quote-unquote forward I'll speak in the eye but I think societally where I am always so forward moving yeah. that to think about um the the impact on the eye to move into ancestor and past harms from a place of, yeah, just deeply understanding in my head and my heart, both helps the eye heal, but also impacts the ability for us to interrupt the cycle of harm mm -hmm. and how we move forward. So thank you for that. That feels like a, I just wanted to acknowledge the gift mm. of that learning before I jump mm. in with my answer. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So what is intersectional integrity to me? Um, you know, I remember sitting on my front porch area talking about this with you, like when we began this concept of putting words to something that we, you know, I, I was definitely like living and attempting to live, but had never mm -hmm. really put words to it. And I remember, um, you know, integrity, if I take out intersectionality for a moment, integrity for me, um, a lot of folks assign like a moral judgment, like it's a tool, like if I'm either in integrity or I'm out of integrity and that's something that's wrong or right. And for me, it uh, was redefined maybe about 10 or 11 years ago in a way that made a lot more sense that it was about, if you think about the spokes on a wheel, and if one of the spokes is broken, the other spokes have to pick up uh, energy work, right? In order mm -hmm. to maintain the integrity, the structural integrity of the wheel. And that visual has always really helped me to, it's not like it, it's, it, that helps me move out of right or wrong into working and not mm -hmm. working. Like, cause eventually mm -hmm. the other spokes are going to break. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about in, in sitting on the front porch with you and being in relationship with you, a black queer woman with multiple identities 
um, that are targeted in ways that I have non-targeted identities, I um, began thinking about like, oh, well, what does it mean to be intentional to hold space when like, you know, your spoke breaks, maybe that, that's probably not like what I want to say, but like that there's a way that we, that I like to honor. Um, or you think of like one of my spokes are at capacity. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and that's that, like, that like a, yeah. And it's at a different capacity than mine because we have yeah. different identities. Right. And so yeah. what does it look like to be mindful of that and not have any judgment in fact, to honor that that feels like a really normal part of the process, given the social constructs of race and the social mm. constructs of many of the identities that we speak at. So to me, it didn't have the same charge in the moment where you and I were having a really real conversation around something that uh, you had been in, in silence around. And maybe it was shame or not wanting to share that because like, it was like, I think my memory of it and feel free to jump in around it. But my memory of it was that it was it was something you didn't feel comfortable talking about because you felt like there was, you weren't holding up your end of the bargain. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think about it that way at all. I was just like, well, you know, for example, the day Toni Morrison died, you know, mm -hmm. and you needed time and space. And even though we had, you know, work quote unquote on the calendar, like I was like, Oh, of course that's impacting you in a way. Like I'm sad, but it's not impacting me in the same way that it impacts you. Like, grieve fam like take the time to grieve like we don't mm -hmm. have to sit on the calendar and I, I offer that as like a simple mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh example of a way that like I was just like oh like of course I'm gonna like make space for you to be exactly as you are even if I don't understand it in the same way that you understand it like it's a, that's a, that's a great example of like I was mindful of that but I don't feel that in the same way you do right mm -hmm. um so that was where it sort of began, like putting words to it. But I think for me, intersectional integrity is um, really just honoring the being of us, like that context and lived experience um, impacts us differently on different days. And what does it look like to actually just see you know, I want to say human, but if I, if we're being intersectional, there's more than human beings on this planet, right? And so what does it look like to have a collective responsibility that we all thrive? And I take that really seriously. Like, I take it really, really seriously, like, particularly in the communities that I'm in as a white woman uh, in communities of color. Like, what is my responsibility that's not equal responsibility. It's an equitable responsibility. So does that mean more? Does that mean um, stepping back and, you know, contributing but not controlling? Like, and just honoring that there's no set answer, um, but being in, in an intersectional integrity, um, I don't know how to phrase it as like an adjective, but like being an interest, being in an intersectional integrist, that's not the word, but like being in relationship while centering the intention of intersectional integrity, I guess is how I would say it. Like, and just being cool with, I don't know what that looks like all the time, but I'm going to mm. show up, you know? And so holding space for, you to show up exactly as you are, whether you're ready to share something or not, like there's no should or supposed to. It's like when you're ready to share, 
that you were withholding something awesome. And then we can talk about that. Like that took a while, you know? And so like not having judgment around that, like Deidre, come on, like you should have been able to talk to me about that. Like, no, cause I don't know you're, you're ready when you're ready, you know? Um, so I think it looks a variety of different ways in a variety of different situations. Um, you know, finding the place that I have capacity and being mindful of, you know, kind of that balance of, do I have capacity because um, because of the ways in which I have non-targeted identities and I have power and privilege? Do I not have capacity because of the ways I have targeted identities and I'm impacted, right? Like I remember after Trump was elected, um, I didn't have capacity for a while because a rapist was in charge and that was really traumatizing. And also it wasn't in competition with the exponential impact of having a white supremacist in the White House on communities of color mm-hmm. and a xenophobe mm-hmm. in the White House who was going to directly target immigrants, right? Like it wasn't in competition. It was just honoring that I too was impacted and being in the different communities that I'm in at different times to see how I can show up that honored both, you know, what I had capacity to do and what I didn't have capacity to do and just trust in our collective to be able to, hold it down. Um, so those are some initial things that come up for me, uh, which I am also just really aware if I'm being transparent, the voices in my head are already like giving me grief for not having it like spelled out in a linear way. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so funny. I mean, you're transmuting white supremacy in terms of competitiveness and uh, perfection. So why not transmute it in terms of shit having to be linear? There's no, no, like a hundred percent. Yeah. No. And I, I am grateful too, like, cause intersectional integrity for me is also being aware of the voices that want to run the narrative, but not letting them run the show. Right. So I'm saying the vulnerability to say it aloud. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I'm sort of saying it aloud to not give it power, right? right? To almost bring yeah. some levity to it. Um, yeah. Because that, I feel like that lacks that that intersectional integrity to um, try to have it all together. Like, oh, I got to figure it all out by myself before, you know, that's why I resisted the word polished, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, not, yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to I be polished. I appreciated how you caught, you, 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 you caught yourself in that. Yeah, that's the work. Yeah, you know, like, I think, like, people forget that that's, I think that some of the things that you and I are learning as we go through this journey together is that there are certain reminders that are, that we have to give ourselves that we have to also remember to give people we're sharing this process with is that, um, you know, sometimes I use the wrong pronoun. Sometimes, um, I, 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 sometimes I forget that there's, uh, being an American, that there's, that there's perspectives outside of Latinx black people, white people, you know, that like, and, and, and it's the, it's the ability to own that and say like, oh yeah, I don't want to, I, I was, my brain wanted to use the word polish and the active way of transmitting white supremacy is stopping and using a different word instead of hoping nobody heard, right. Or beating myself up for using the word and getting stuck in rumination that I fucked up, um, you know, but owning it and learning from it and moving on. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, appreciate that feels you like, showing that. Thanks. I mean, that feels, I was going to say that that feels like a level of personal accountability 
as it relates to um, like being on this podcast, right? So when, like, it's funny because like when I go through the editing process and you and I have talked about this, like we're intentional about not, um, for the most part, not cutting out um, those pauses where someone someone might say, oh, I don't really want to say this, but this is sort of what I'm thinking. Like leaving that in the space as opposed to what people would perceive as a well-produced show that like cuts out all the ums and the ahs and, you know, and I'm not saying we don't do some editing, but I, I think it's really important to, to name the act of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy is nuanced and that sometimes there's intention in leaving that there so that folks can hear someone grappling with it. Um, and so that's what sort of what calls me to say that sometimes where you'll, you'll hear me say that a lot, like, I don't really want to say this, but that's, what's coming to mind. So like, I guess, thank you for holding the space <laughs> to you, Deidre, and also the listeners while like someone's saying that aloud. And what does it look like for us to normalize that, to normalize, mm-hmm. um, you know, the one thing my partner and I were talking about recently was the, the ways in which we have normalized not having any pauses in conversation, like which for me, I'll speak in the eye, doesn't hold space for me to think and work through what I actually want to say with the tools and the lenses that I want to be intentional about. Like if I'm just left to fill the space quickly, then what that does is it forces me into my default way of thinking. And I'm very clear I'm spending a lifetime of unindoctrinating myself into my default way of thinking, which is riddled with white supremacy and patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And so I need that space. I need that grace from others. Um, and I'm going to bookmark, though, not depending on emotional labor of folks who have targeted identities where I hold non-targeted identities, right? So there's ways in which I need some space to work out some things. And the balance is not burdening folks who also have needs um, with the emotional labor to hold me. And so that's like another way of intersectional integrity mm-hmm. that I'm present to of, mm-hmm. you know, I have needs and you have needs. And so how do we come together with an intentionality that disrupts the, the, the ways in which white supremacy and patriarchy will have us just fall into a pattern where those who have more targeted identities do more of the work, right? Like, and those who have non-targeted identities are doing less of the work. And it can feel like kind of coming back to capacity. Sometimes for me, unpacking my whiteness is really fucking hard, And sometimes in some moments, I don't have the capacity to hold down others. And at the end of the day, what do I need to do so that I can get back to a place of having capacity? That's intersectional integrity. Like it is on me starting in the eye so that I can show up in a, in a, you know, in right relationship is a phrase I've heard that feels really aligned with intersectional integrity for me? Like, how do I show up in right relationship in communities of color, in queer communities as a person who doesn't identify as queer? Like, how do I show up in right relationship? And one of the ways is being accountable for myself to do my own work that I can do. But it also means, like you and I were just talking about this before the show today, Like, it doesn't mean I got to go figure it all out by myself and I'm in isolation, right? So what does it look like to be in relationship with you where it's not like I never ask for any support. I just want to be mindful of creating a balance that works, that doesn't Mm -hmm. just default to, well, Deidre, 
Like mm-hmm. you're the one holding it down because I can't keep it together, which I've seen in a lot of institutions mm-hmm. and I've seen in a lot of relationships, right? Gender plays out, race plays out. Mm-hmm. And so it's another messy, like I don't have a clear answer for it, but it is a great place to practice that mindfulness and also heartfulness of like, is there an imbalance here? And what is my responsibility to begin with the I, to do my own work, but also like really authentically be in relationship because mm-hmm. that reciprocity and relationship is also really valuable. So it's yeah. not like any of the black women I'm in relationship with don't also take care of me. <laughs> right. Like that's not, right. it's not like I just show up, like I'm a martyr and I hold it down for everyone. Like that is a constant um, awareness of, because that's not, that's not, I think there's a way that the intellectual analysis only of intersectional integrity would be like, okay, so white folks need to have their shit together and show up perfect and polished to be in Mm -hmm. relationship with people of color and don't ever fucking cry and don't Mm -hmm. ever have any needs because black people have enough of their own work to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Like that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And also Mm -hmm. don't dump all over black people. Right. Like, so it's the both and of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. There's so much that you said and I'm not, I'm not taking notes cause I just wanted to be really present, but like, I hate when I don't take notes cause I can't remember everything, but, um, <laughs> I, no, I, I love, so when you said right relationship, I have to say, I'm not in disagreement with right relationship, but there was something about it that it was like, for me, we talked about before, there was something about that, that I was like, Oh, I bookmarked. I got to come back to that because I'm trying, I'm, you know, being a born and raised New Yorker, American, uh, you know, for so long, my right hand has been judgment. So um, I try to, I, I, it's not that I don't do it, um, but I try to be really cognizant of when I'm thinking about anything just in terms of right or wrong, even in terms of justice. Because even our understanding of justice is within the context of Western thought here in this country. So there's still, for me, there's still a lot of problematic pieces around how we think about justice. So I was thinking, it was, it, you know, my thoughts were as I was listening to, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's more about being in balanced relationship, not right relationship, but balanced relationship, right? So when you said that, like, is there is there an unbalance? And that's, and, and it goes back to what you were saying of like, we move too quickly. We move there. Like our, our, our aversion to fucking pausing and slowing down is I think right now is like that, you know, is if white supremacy had a front line and they changed through the centuries, I think white supremacy and patriarchy's frontline pawns in the chess game that is being played with our fucking core selves um, is urgency, right? Is false urgency and moving really quickly because it doesn't allow us time to ask questions, right? You always say to be curious, to really, to be, to integrate it, to in, what's the word? Integr, what's the word? Interrogate. Thank you, Maureen. To interrogate power and privilege, but to interrogate it, not from a place of blame or pointing fingers, but from a place of like understanding, like what's happening here and how do I actually, you know, how do I actually want to move? 
not how white supremacy and patriarchy tells me I'm supposed to move as a, as a black lesbian woman in, in a friendship with a, a white straight woman. Right. And all the things that we've been told about whether or not I'm supposed to hold your tears or whether or not you're always supposed to just shut up. Like that's all within a framework of white supremacy. And if we don't, if we can't take the time to just sort of step back and see what's working, what's not working in this particular situation, what am I weaponizing? What am I not? What do, and what do I not want to weaponize in this relationship with this person? And then with the larger persons, as we move into a larger collective sense of community, then we just keep doing the same shit. You know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I'm in relationship with a client right now. And I, um, I just did a recording for the, the other thing that I'm doing that was like around, um, commitment to the collective, right? So what's my commitment when I'm in, I mean, this is for people who are like, so if people are listening to this, right, they're like, I get that. I, yes, I'm down. I get this idea of intersexual integrity and I want to move that way. Or you're in circles. Like a lot of people now are in circles of like learning circles of like, how do I be, how do I have less, you know, how do I see and understand my internalized anti-blackness, right? For those of us who are black and have it internalized, or for those of us who are not black and like, how do I see my anti-blackness and move through it? I think a, a, an important conversation in those circles with the people you're moving through with is this idea of, of, of getting first really clear from the eye, where are my boundaries? Like what is happening for me? What, what are my triggers? And when I am triggered or when I feel it, ouch, when I feel like someone has, when a white person has done some shit to me, or when a man um, has done some shit to me, or, you know, when a, a, a queer person has done some shit or a boomer has done some shit and my identity is opposite those things, or I think it's in contrast to those things, what supports do I need when I feel that ouch, right? And what's my commitment to helping someone learn that they've committed an ouch? And like, this is the ouch that was committed. I understand your intent was not to create an ouch. And let's talk about the impact was an ouch. And so what is that? What does it look like to make for us to create space for each other to fuck up because we're gonna fuck up, right? It's not about no harm. It's about less harm. We are in a society that is all about us harming each other. That's how we're surviving. We're surviving by constantly harming each other. So when we get into these circles where we're transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, we have to get really clear what's the space I'm willing to give another person as they explore and unpack their shit, right? And then the collective, like, so there's the I, and then the group of us, we come together and we get clear and transparent about what supports or space are we going to give each other. So if I'm in relationship with, a, with my white friend and my white friend needs to fucking cry, there's an agreement that we're having that I'm like, my, my white, my internalized white supremacist anti-white supremacist self that is indoctrinated in the idea that white people don't get to have any fucking emotions might say to me, ugh, she's crying, <laughs> right? right? But I'm right, going right. to take the time to transmute that, to figure out like, okay, that's pain. What do I want to do with that pain? Is that, right. is my response, my indoctrinated self of like, I'm supposed to take care of white women? Is my response, my empathetic self that's like a human is in pain? What do I want to do? And we need to slow down so that I need That's time right. to slow down so that I can fucking unpack and be That's honest right. of like, That's right. 
I, I'm pretty sure it's my, it's in my empathic self and like the fact that you're hurting as a human bothers me, but I'm so stuck in my stuff <laughs> that I yeah. can't be the one to be there for you. So what supports do you need? Can you go find it? Like being able to That's have right. that fucking conversation. That's right. That's right. Is intersectional That's right. integrity. Right? That's right. And dialogue. I want to be clear. Like it isn't just, it's both from the eye boundaries make, have choice and agency and in the we, like, can I receive your truth? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and if it's a, I was just with a client yesterday where I was like, look, like no judgment. Did you need a timeout in this conversation with this other person? Can we normalize that? Like, I think you're really, you're picking up on this, a, a way in which we can create spaces of intersectional integrity is to slow the fuck down, is to ask for space when we need space. It doesn't mean I'm tapping out of this conversation and I'm never coming back to it. It's honoring the human, right? Which transcends the social constructs of all these identities, right? Like that's the other thing is like, we have these identities because we have uh, been indoctrinated into a society of the social constructs of all of these identities. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm saying human here in this moment, but let's transcend that to talk about beings. Cause ultimately, right. We're in the us that honors the yeah. planet, right. That it does require space. And I think that there is a way in which white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism and all the forms of oppression, absolutely. The pawns on the front lines are running with a false sense of urgency are not giving us the time and space to breathe to reflect, to hold space for each other, to build relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of the, ab- the absence of all of those things is nece- like it, that lacks intersectional integrity, right? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the other thing that I got really clear about when you were talking is, you know, I am with you on right or wrong versus working and not working. I know, you know, we talk about that a lot. We coach folks around that. And so that too, like that the phrase right relationship for me feels aligned with intersectional integrity and also the this work requires us to redefine words that are problematic right mm-hmm. so like leadership is inherently a problematic word because it's hierarchical and power over what does it look like to take the time and space to redefine leadership you know right versus wrong requires a read like I mean well maybe not wrong but like being in right relationship to really take the time and space and go wow like Right really brings up judgment for me. Got it. Integrity can bring up something moral for folks. Got it. And let's take a moment. I mean, you've taught me so much about this. Can we take a pause and define what we're actually saying here? Because we're coming to the table with all sorts of assumptions and experiences that predefine these words. So if we can actually both, you know, do the work of looking up whatever the definition is and also have some choice and agency to fucking redefine some stuff. (laughs) it's okay Mm -hmm. for for the context of creating relationship, creating community for having opportunity to hear each other. It's okay. We can take some agency to be very clear about, I may have used this word and you have a definition of that word, but that's not the definition I'm operating from. So let's pause here. It's another time to take that space. So I, you know, I really have loved um, the work of, of research with you where 
Uh, you know, right? Like how many times do we look up a definition of something and there's hella problematic definitions before mm-hmm. we can actually get to a definition that either we vibe with, right? Because right. uh, that's also a construct, like who gets to decide what this fucking word means, uh, <laughs> right? And so empowering ourselves to really create shared definitions that are not in the dictionary, that, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look like? Because it's just all the words are made up. You know, it's like, I remember like holidays all made up words all made up. So why don't we get to empower ourselves for the purpose of creating integrity, intersectional integrity, community, honoring the us, like we get to, and we get to claim that space. One of the things that's so true, you see it in white supremacy and patriarchy is that history, meaning, um, I should say, actually, Zeitgeist does this, um, and so it influences history, but it influences our lexicon. Is that the um, those who have like we are, are so much of our reality is based on who won a particular war, a very violent war, um, and that is what it defines many of the words we use. And so as a writer, that's, I'm constantly thinking about words in that way of like, oh, my understanding of a particular word is whether I like it or not housed, if I'm an English speaker, particularly in the United States, but um, it could be said English in other um, continents, but I will be specific to the United States. It's all couched in uh, a very violent othering history. And so that's what, for me, it becomes really important to just get clear what we're talking about or what I am talking about. Or, or like you said, the intersectional integrity is like someone being open that if I, if I ask, like, you know, key tenant of white supremacy is fucking defensiveness, right? So I've learned that like, even in conversations with people, learning to, to in the way of intersectional integrity is meeting people where they are, is having to say, like, I'm not judging you. I'm curious. How are you defining that word? As opposed to just saying, well, how are you defining that word? There's a different response, right? People will get defensive if I'm like, how are you defining that word? And then they run into, well, I'm using right and blah, 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 this way. You know, and I'm like, okay, like, okay. (laughs) And, um, that's not how I define it. Right. And us meeting each other in that balanced space of like, you know, either redefining it or getting clear that we need a different word because our definitions of it are so different that it's stopping us from having a conversation. And sometimes just remembering like this again, as a writer, I'm, I'm seeing like, we will use words as a means to express our urgency. So instead of slowing down and really saying what we mean, we find a particular word that we assume speaks to what, what, what I might mean. Right. So slowing down and just let either letting myself be as slow as I need to be to get to the, what I'm trying to express as well as slowing down and letting, um, others, Mm Mm-hmm giving others the space and time they need to get to what they're trying to express, you know? And it, I, I always, I love the spirit because spirit brings people that I love deeply, deeply love into my life who talk hella fucking slow. And I'm like, I gotta transmute my shit. 
<laughs> they're talking. Because, you know, the little voice in my head is like, fuck, could you spit it out? Could you just get to the point? You know, and that's what I, that's when I know that's my little yeah. fucking white supremacy voice in the back of my head. Like, why, why do I need them to rush to it? Yeah. No, DJ, yeah. you slow down. <laughs> right. Let them yeah. speak however they need to speak. That's right. Never well, ending. That, and again, another example of intersectional integrity, right? Just showing yeah. up. If my if my North Star is to attempt to show up in communication with all in all instances at all times with the intention to do less harm mm-hmm. to myself and to others, then that means it is a constant daily moment to moment practice of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy because that is all I know. Yeah. That is the fabric right. of my fucking being having bo- been born and raised in the 20th century United States. That's and, right. you know, I don't, sometimes that it used to make me really sad. Now I feel really empowered. Now I'm like, yeah. Oh, I fucking know it. Like, I feel like that chess game, mm-hmm. like the pieces moved in a different way. I'm almost, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm close to being like checkmate motherfucker. Like <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Uh, and also what like, you got now white supremacy and patriarchy. Cause I see you. <laughs> so now my brain is running and like, yeah, the victory. And also like, there's a beauty in slowing down and redefining victory because victory does not have to be power over like chess right. is set up that someone has to lose. Right. In fact, intersectional integrity is that we all win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that we thrive, we, the us, you know, not just humans. Um, but there's a, I guess what I would just add about intersectional integrity is it's, it's, <laughs> I'm laughing because you're like what you got now, white supremacy, but it isn't really a destination. It's a way of being. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a intention, um, that I don't know. I would be very worried about myself if I ever got to a place where I was just like popping my collar, like, oh yeah, no, I live in intersectional integrity (laughs) all the time. Like, Mm. <laughs> but I do think I there's sometimes where you got to pat yourself on the back when you see things that you didn't see before. Right. Like, cause hundred percent. Otherwise sure. it just gets, it just, it like, it is a never ending journey, but without the signposts of moments to feel joy and, um, yes. you know, uh, excitement that I've, that I've, I've been attempting to see this in the moment when I'm triggered. And now I see it in the moment when I'm yeah. triggered. And instead of me triggering back, I'm yeah. asking for space. Like, that's I think right. that, 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 that's what I mean when I'm like, what you got now? White supremacy. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, they, because, you know, white supremacy is like, okay, well, you know what I got now? And then, then the next thing happens, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. The pendulum. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I was, I, so yes. And I was offering that as an example of like the way I interpret chess to be, it's yeah. like game over, right? And yeah. so it's an opportunity to slow down and redefine and what I'm hearing, um, I didn't ask explicitly, but like you expanding on that is telling me like, no, it's a moment. Like it's a moment. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, right. And our life yeah. is a series of moments. So like, it's not like game over forever. It's like in this right. moment I could celebrate because I transmuted white supremacy and patriarchy and I'm going to take this redefined win, right. I'm going to take this mm-hmm. moment of joy, which is the win, uh, as opposed to I have dominated, I have crushed something. Right. And that's, I think that really speaks beautifully yeah. to why we say transmuting yeah. instead of, um, dismantling, which a lot of folks in these movements say is like the goal is to dismantle white supremacy and patriarchy. And that really illustrates beautifully that life is a series of moments. So we can transmute in any moment, right. By setting these intentions, by practicing these tools, by 
honoring that the goal is to do less harm um, by, you know, really um, understanding the complexity and the dynamic nature and context of life life's moments, right? Mm -hmm. That it isn't like a final, that's why I was saying it's not like a final destination, but it's, yeah, for sure. You got to grab the wins, these moments of joy and let's redefine win, right? Like what does win look like? What does, um, you know, setting an intention and committing to a way of being look like being really clear that for me anyway, I'll just say I'm committed to a way of being and I'm never going to feel, um, I'm committed to never feeling like I have achieved that way of being so that I can rest. Like, no, it's a daily practice. Like, Mm -hmm. cool. I had a great day today. I'm feeling very successful about the ways I showed up in intersectional integrity in, I just want to add another way of intersectional integrity is not just the workplace, but community, but home, Mm -hmm. but within the self in spiritual practice. Thank you for illuminating that today. You know, the work of Mm -hmm. ancestor work, like, It is, you know, it is a slippery slope of not letting myself get overwhelmed by the enormity of all the places uh, to practice intersectional integrity, but to practice finding joy in these opportunities. Like I am given amazing opportunities in every moment day to day to practice. And just because I'm successful in different places than others or more successful in other places sometimes isn't a lose right? It's just like, I'm doing my best today. I'm doing my best. I can commit to that. And sometimes doing my best is taking care of myself and focusing on the eye. Sometimes doing my best is showing up in a, in a, um, you know, in right relationship in the we, in the us. And sometimes it means coming back to the eye. Like we talked about earlier, like, oh, I'm having a capacity issue. Let me do my introspection, self-awareness work so that I can get back in it when it works to get back in it. Yeah. I mean, I think about that. Yeah, I, you know, the thing about this, and I think sometimes this is what people who are taking the course might have difficulty with, is this idea of the constant ever, ever evolving journey, right? And because we are indoctrinated in a society that tells us um, that the goal is success and the goal is success within a finite, often short period of time. And so you, so there's some work that each person has to do on their own to transmute that meaning to understand the controlling nature of that thought, the controlling nature of what success, that there is a success, what success is and that success has to happen in a finite time. Because like when you don't, like it, the, the tenets of white supremacy and patriarchy move all throughout that to control us into a space of feeling um, lacking, of feeling, um, uh, and that lacking produces fatigue and that fatigue produces an ability to be controlled and to, to not seek clarity and all this, all this other stuff. And I will tell, I will tell folks that for me, one of the things that has helped for me transmuting that idea, um, is that is coming to a, um, realization that, Again, the reality is I'm in this world now. I'm in a world now that is terribly problematic, that is harmful, that is violent, um, that is so opposite what I believe, what I know is possible. And and um, that I'm not going to see 
what I want to see, um, the possibilities I know exist, I'm not going to see in its totality, um, in a zeitgeist like we have now. Um, but I am going to see it and I really do use, but specifically there, but I am going to see it in very little and smaller ways, um, that are reflective of how I'm moving in the world. The more I move with an intention to create less harm, the more I've noticed, I then experience pieces of joy through my own experiences or with other people. And that being part of a sort of tapestry that I'm trying to create with the intention that seven generations from now, the possibility exists that those people will live in a world that white supremacy is dismantled, that it, it, that it's a, that they're like, wow, could you imagine that they lived like this? <laughs> they did this to each other. Like what, you know, that, but like, that's, that, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Like I'm, I'm here to make that possibility a true possibility and a reality for future generations. And that's enough for me to do the daily work, right? So those two things, doing the daily work does open up experiences of joy that I was not having when I was just moving as white supremacy and patriarchy wants me to move. So I'm creating all this harm to myself and others and just fatigued and suicidal and depressed and all this shit, you know? Um, so I'm not moving in that anymore. And I also have this vision of, um, I have this vision of this world that like, like, you know, that that's just so much different from here. And that, you know, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation of like, I think seven generations back, that's my ancestors. I am. And someone has said this, I don't know what some famous writer said this. And I, was a, I think it was a black woman might've been a man. I don't know. Um, so I am stealing this. I just don't know who said it, but I am for sure their wildest fucking dream. I know that. I know that my white, my ancestors who were white, my ancestors who were black, my ancestors who were native, my ancestors who were indigenous, like all of them. I'm their wildest fucking dream on so many different fucking levels. And I only hope that I can offer that to seven generations ahead of me. And that's the work. That's the daily work today to get there for me. But I think each person has to figure that out for themselves as to why the work is, why I want to do it. Why I choose mm. to do it. Why I wake up every day mm -hmm. and choose to be so introspective, self-aware, transparent, and vulnerable. Yeah. Thank you for that. And also thank you for redefining success, right? Like, I, I, I'm just really struck by uh, the choice and agency and liberty you take to do what you need to do to just do more than survive. Like, you're really committed to not living in the confines of what this world has determined success looks like for you. Like you're like, no, nah, fuck that shit. I get to decide. <laughs> I get to choose. Yeah. Or I would even uh, say dictated. They don't, it doesn't yeah, determine a goddamn right. thing. <laughs> that's right. It's dictating that's some shit. That's yeah. Right. It's dictating some shit. And so transmitting white supremacy is like, no, you don't get to dictate that for me. I do. We want to take a moment and acknowledge the tools used in this podcast are from a course that we have co-created called Cultivating Intersectional Leadership. 
We believe the path of cultivating intersectional leadership is a transformative journey that supports individuals and organizations in making the deeply systemic, strategic, intuitive, innovative, and necessary shifts away from old ways of being that no longer serve us, our organizations, or our communities. For more information about the course, visit cultivatingintersectionalleadership.com. We want to thank our brilliant and kind producer, Aaron Rand Freeman. And don't forget, if you'd like to support us, we do appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon, Eyes on Whiteness, and you can rate and leave a review anywhere you're listening to the podcast.